Welcome to So We're Late Podcast, where guest speakers visit every Thursday night. Don't forget to follow for new content every week. To experience a full encounter with Christ, visit Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church at 1977 West Jefferson Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, and call 818-745-1771 or visit SoWe'reLate.com for more information. So as we move through the night, I want to actually introduce our speaker tonight. His name is Christopher Pereira, <laughs> and he is the CEO of Tepeyac Leadership, a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to civic leadership development for lay Catholic professionals through his signature program, LTLI. The organization provides a catalyst development experience which equips professionals to become virtuous leaders influencing the culture and serving the common good. Um, Pereira is a native of Peru where he lived until he was the age of 15. He holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in History from Arizona State University and a Master of Business Administration from Grand Canyon University. So we are blessed to have him tonight and I will get it over to Deacon here so we can have a little prayer here before we start. All right, come on forth, Brother, Brother Chris. We're gonna stretch out our hands of blessing. We're gonna stretch our hand of blessing on him because we're excited to have you. We're excited that you came all the way from Phoenix, Arizona tonight to be with us. We're excited to be engaged in the leadership development process that you're offering us tonight in the name of Jesus. So we ask, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them the fire of your love. Touch Brother Chris, fill him up, give him the words that he needs to be used by you, Almighty God. May the words of his mouth and the meditations of his heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you are his strength and our redeemer. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Deacon. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's really an honor to be spending this time with you. So... Tonight, I want to share a couple of things with you. I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about my, my background, who I am. It's, it's part of the story. But then, towards the end, I want to share with you an idea, an idea that perhaps you have thought of before, perhaps not, perhaps not um, to the depth that I hope that I wanna, that I can, I'm able to take you to tonight. But before I do that, before I, I, I tell you a little bit about my background and, and what I want to share with you tonight, I just would like to get an idea of who is in the room. But we'll do it quick. We won't take too long. If you can just, I'll point at you and we'll go around. If you can quickly tell me just your name and what you do. I'm interested in knowing what you do. Okay, just so maybe we can start with you. I'm Cruz and I work in administration. I'm Rosa Peñate and I work for Esna Radio. I'm Brenda Galindo, and I'm a pharmacy technician. I'm Ariela Marinero, and I'm a student. Raul, I work in Fodacity. city. Uh, Milagro, the master's student. I'm Pamela, and I'm into business. I'm Janet, and I'm a student. I'm Lucy, and I'm a customer service rep. I'm Frankie, and I'm a student. I'm Diana, and I'm a dentist assistant. I'm Adolfo, I make Catholic content. My name is Gary, and I work for Assemblador. 
My name is Danny. Uh, work for Sambrador, rapper, preacher, and prayer warrior. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that with me. What, a, what an amazing and interesting group we have here. So many different career paths. Some of you are students. You are already in the career path, right? Some of you are professionals. Some of you are going to become professionals. And let me tell you, we use this word professional a lot in the work that we do for our apostolate. But don't think that a professional is only that one that went through college. Because any, anybody that takes pride on the work that they do, they do it pouring all of their love into it as a service to others. And they understand how to use their work to become, to make it a gift to God. Anybody that does that with intentionality is being a professional, is acting professionally. So you're all professionals here. Thank you for being here. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, my background. You, you heard the, 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 the bio, but let me tell you a, a brief snapshot of my conversion story. God has put me to several different career paths. I, I have a very, very eclectic um, professional background. There was a time in my life when I was a television news reporter for Univision in Phoenix. You probably know Univision. And um, I was in journalism. At some point in my life, I, was a, I owned a real estate brokerage firm in Arizona as well. I owned a farmer's insurance agency at some point. So I was in business too. And then God called me to serving in the church. And I went to work for the Diocese of Phoenix. But before that, in my pagan life, I was Mr. Celebrity, Mr. News Reporter. And, and those were the days before I met my beautiful wife, Carla, and then we had our, our beautiful four children. And before I learned how to live for others. In those days, during those days, I was living for myself, very much for myself, right? So even before I finished college, I already had found a really good gig as a television news reporter. I was graduating college, and I was coming up every, every day at 5 p.m. and at 10 p.m. in the newscast. My life was fun. I, I really, I, everything I wanted, I could have. Very young, very early on, on my life, I was able to purchase a house. During those days, I was single. I, I didn't have responsibilities. I didn't have to feed anybody. Whatever I was making, not that they paid too much over there, <laughs> but uh, whatever I was making, it was plenty and more. I would sometimes throw parties at my house, and I thought that was the life. I was trying to find my identity on my career, my professional career as a, as a journalist. Um, I found my identity as a, as a guy who likes to go out dancing with, with his friends. And I was trying to find me in all of these places until one day I met my wife. I fell in love. We started a family. And early in our marriage, I, I don't share this story much, but I, I'm going to share it tonight. Early on, on our marriage, very, very early, coming back from our honeymoon, um, before we got married, we already had the, the two of the kids. Um, two, of, two of our children were already, we had, had already been born, 
and somebody was taking care of them when we went on the honeymoon, and when we came back, and we went to drop off that person to catch her bus back to Mexico, this person that was this family relative of my wife that had been taking care of the kids while we were in honeymoon, and our honeymoon in Puerto Rico. That's where we went. We went to drop, drop her off at the bus, and as we were waiting for the bus to, to come and so that she could go back to Mexico, the lady that had been taking care of the kids, I was there with my wife. I was actually sitting, legs crossed, reading the newspaper, at that point, my wife still had not resolved her immigration status in the United States. And I know many here in the room understand that reality. So as we were there, in walks in La Migra. And right there in front of my two little kids, they took my wife. It was one of the hardest things that has ever, ever happened to me. It was, it was horrible. I cried. I cried. Um, but it, that experience really sent me in a trajectory of understanding that no matter how smart, handsome, successful, whatever I thought I was, I was not in control. I was not in control. And I needed God. Completely, completely transformed my, my life and, and sent me on a trajectory of understanding who I really was, and what was the purpose of my life. My, my life was not meant to just simply have fun. I think our lives began on taking some meaning when we understand how to live for others. That's when our lives really take on meaning. That's what Christ showed us. After that, I, I, we, you've heard the professional background. I, at some point, was called into the fold of the church to serve the church from within the church structure. And Bishop Olmsted in Phoenix asked me to come work at the Diocese of Phoenix. Several years had happened since that, since that very difficult incident that I told you. And I, I came to serve Bishop Olmsted and worked as the director of the Hispanic Mission Office. And while in fin well, the first day on the job, I remember I met with Bishop and I asked him, Bishop, what would, you like to, what would you like to have seen me accomplish in five years in this office that you're putting me in charge of? He said, well, Christopher, you're the director of the Hispanic Mission Office. I would like you to have identified who the leaders are in the community, the Latino, the Hispanic leaders, and bring them closer to the church. So I set out to do that. I try, it was trial and error. I, I, the wonderful thing about working with Bishop Olmsted, Bishop Thomas Olmsted, former Bishop of Phoenix, is that he really gave me the freedom to try out different things, new things. At one point, the Diocese of Phoenix invited me, offered me the opportunity to go into a leadership development program in the community as an employee of the diocese, as a representative of the Diocese of Phoenix, I was sent to this program. This was a secular program, not faith-based, not Catholic, not religious, not Christian. And in, the, in this program, I met 30 other individuals that represented different corporations, nonprofits. They came from all kinds of backgrounds, so people in law enforcement. It was a civic leadership development program. And the experience, 
opened up my eyes to the reality of civic leadership development in the United States. Some of you have heard of these programs, perhaps some not. These programs are all over the country. I'm telling you that there is such a thing as the National Association of Leadership Programs. It has about 200 members. All of them are secular. They take on different shapes or flavors, different formats, but they're all doing the same thing. They're bringing professionals, have them go through their sessions, workshops, and then really pushing them into key leadership positions in the community. This concept of civic leadership development has been around in the United States since the 70s. And many of our public elected officials, people in politics, get started through these programs. These programs take on names like Leadership Los Angeles, Leadership Philadelphia. You probably heard of programs like this. Unfortunately, going through that experience, I also realized that the program that I was in and most of these programs are forming leaders with values that run directly opposed to Catholic teaching in most areas, no matter what area of discussion. So it was a very difficult, at some point, uh, experience, eye-opening. Many instances, I felt like the only religious or, or conservative voice in the room throughout the discussions. But walking out of that program, a bulb went on, and I thought, gosh, this is not a bad idea, really. It's just being oriented wrong. Because who could be opposed to the idea of forming leaders? Forming leaders is a good thing. So I went to, my, to meet with my bishop at, after we, I completed the program, and I, I shared with him my whole experience. And I, I told him, Bishop, I think we can do this, and I think we can do it better, because we can make it Catholic and draw from the teachings of the church to form leaders with real values that will foster the common good and, and, and defend the dignity of the human person. Bishop Olmsted gave me his blessing, and he added so many more things that I had not even thought of. Back then, I was the director of the Hispanic Mission Office, so I thought, well, I'll do this for the Latino Catholics in Phoenix. Bishop said, no, you're going to do this for the whole diocese. So we started Tepeyac Leadership Initiative at the Diocese of Phoenix. And this was a diocesan program. And that was it. That was the idea. We're going to invite Catholic lay Catholics from all over the diocese who are going to form them, form them and train them to be leaders, but not leaders for the church. Having leaders, lay leaders in the church is a good thing, right? But traditionally, we think of lay Catholic leaders and we think of people who are running ministries, who are running apostolates, more appropriately called for the lady, or who are in catechetical formation or, or maybe apologies. So many different ways in which a lay Catholic can be a leader in the church. That is not the type of leadership that we were looking at. We were talking about Catholic leadership for the world, for civil society, for outside of the church. We developed uh, TLI, and after we graduated the first generation of the program, we began to see the fruit. We, we felt, gosh, we have something unique in our hands here. This is, this is new to the church has been around since the 70s in the secular world, but as Bishop Olmsted said, Christopher, the church has been baptized in pagan practices for a long time. There's no reason why we cannot do this. And so we did. 
after we graduated the first generation, we thought, well, maybe we could share this with the rest of the church in the United States. Bishop Olmsted gave me his blessing. And the first diocese that we came to was Los Angeles. We came to Archbishop Gomez. Archbishop Gomez, as you know, his, his heart is, is so close to the lady and to the universal call to holiness, right? So he immediately understood what this was about. And he said, yes, bring it to Los Angeles. We thought, well, we're going to replicate what we had in Phoenix, and we'll just start like a new version of the program in, in one diocese at the time until we get to the whole the United States. So we were running the LA version of the program, and in the middle of it, COVID happens. And like most organizations, we face the prospect of either going virtual or shutting down. So we went virtual. We realized that many people in Los Angeles loved the fact that they didn't have a, an hour and a half commute <laughs> to go to a cathedral high school, which is where we were doing the sessions. And, uh, and we realized, gosh, now we can actually have people in the program from anywhere in the United States. The next year, we were already a national program. So the pandemic took us to the national stage overnight. At this point, we have graduated the fifth generation, and we're now running the sixth cohort of TLI. And TLI has crossed the borders of the United States. We have about, I don't know, 10 or 15 participants from Europe. We have people from Africa, Lebanon, Latin America, Canada. This is what Our Lady and San Juan Diego have done, how they have interceded for the work that we're doing. They're allowing us to form lay Catholics from all over the world. Most of, them, most of the participants are still in the United States, and many of them are in the Southwest, Arizona, California, but they're all over the world. What are we doing at TLI? Last year was a very important year for us, and, and we, we finally understood what the Lord had asked us to do, and it all became clear so much that we decided to put it in a book. And we called that book Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. The book is now selling all over the world. It's amazing. And I actually brought some copies that I'm going to give each of you. Those who promise to read it, I'm going to give you a copy of it. And hopefully you'll find some value in it. But what we've understand, under, we have been able to understand through the work that we're doing is that we really were not, we are not reinventing the wheel at TLI. Because we did some research. We, we had to do research to develop our own curriculum for our program because we were not going to be a secular civic leadership development program. We were going to be a Catholic civic leadership development program. So we had to go into the 2,000-year wealth of wisdom that there is in the church. And we created this curriculum that includes Catholic social doctrine and the teachings of the church on the dignity of the human person. And we have sessions that focus on education, healthcare, business, government, philanthropy, board service, religious liberty. We talk about all of these areas of concern in society from the Catholic lens, right? So we realize, gosh, this is, not re this is really something that the church has been talking about for a long time. And now we understand that what we're doing at TLI is we are answering the neglected call from the Second Vatican Council. How many of you have heard about the Second Vatican Council? Raise your hand. 
Most Catholics that who are mildly involved with the church have heard about the Second Vatican Councils. Let me see the hands of those who have heard about the Second. Again, but keep them up. Hands, the hands of the, can you keep keep your hand up? Okay, hands of those who have heard about the Second Vatican Council. Now, be honest and tell me, have you read any of the documents of the Second Vatican Council? How many hands are still up? Okay. However, thank you, Deacon. I was counting on you. <laughs> However, today, many Catholics talk a lot about the Second Vatican Council. Doesn't matter that they haven't read a single document. They talk a lot about it. And most Catholics focus on two aspects of the, of the Council. On the ecumenical message aspects or ramifications of the Council and the changes in the liturgy, right? They focus a lot on those, and some, will, some even argue about those all day long. Unfortunately, by far, most people miss the mark because they're so focused on these, not that they're not important, but they completely miss the mark on the bold, urgent challenge that the consul fathers got through the consul had for, for us, for the lady. Through the documents of the Second Vatican Council, the church had a message for the lady. It gave us our marching orders. And if you get to read Christi Fidelis Leici, Apostolicum Actositat, and any of the documents that at some point address directly us, the, the lady, this is what the Second Vatican Council had to tell us that we had a unique role in the church and in the world that only we could fulfill, that not even the Pope and our beloved, beloved priests and, 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 and bishops and nuns, they cannot do what we can and should be doing because of their state in life. And what is that? To insert ourselves into the secular society, into the fabric of society, into the secular institutions of society as to transform them from within. Pope Francis cannot serve on, on a board of just any organizations. Your, your parish priest can, is not allowed to run for office. All of these things, all of these areas of secular life that are so influential in moving the culture, the clergy is not meant to be there. That's our job. There are so many issues of concern in society today that you are so worried about, it, that I am so worried about. Think about education. What is happening in many public school districts in the United States, in California? The things that are being taught to our children. Are we concerned about that? Yes. Think about the attacks on the dignity of the human person at hospitals. Think about the way in which they are transgressing the dignity of the human person in science. Think about what's happening with the news media. You can't trust, you, you don't know who to trust anymore. Think about what's happening with politics. There's so much corruption. All of these things that have happened in the past two decades that we're so concerned about, right? And we think, gosh, Someone must do something about this. <laughs> but guess what? That is our call. 
We are the ones that should be engaging the world and infusing it with the values of the gospel. It is us. It is us who should be doing. So the idea that we work with, what we teach in our five-month, 18 weeks civic leadership development program, TLI, over the spring, every year, you can apply for it in the fall, you can participate in the spring, is Catholic leadership, but not for the parish, not for ministry, for the world, for civil society. We've graduated five generations, as I told you, of the program, and there's been so much fruit. Most of the graduates are now serving on boards. Through the work that we're doing, that we have been doing for the past few years, we have understood that there are so many areas of human activity where there is a great need for lay Catholic leaders. But there is one in particular that is probably the most, is the low-hanging fruit because it's so broad, so all-encompassing. And that is board service. Now, we have broadened the definition of board service. When we talk about board service, we are talking about boards of trustees, boards of directors, advisory boards, where you think of a big room with a large table, people sitting around it, talking and making decisions. You think about this, you imagine some Hollywood movies, a corporate boardroom, something like that. That's only one type of board. A lot of boards look, look like Three people sitting around the table. There are so many different types of boards. Every organization, every institution, for profit, non-profit, uh, secular, religious, has a board, has a group of people that sit around the table to make decisions. Those are the decisions that impact the culture. Those are the decisions that have transformed the world in the last two decades. Those are the rooms, the tables, the decision-making places where there haven't been enough lay Catholics who are well-formed and courageous enough to speak up. So the idea that I want to share with you tonight is that perhaps there is a more strategic way we're trying to change the chip a little bit in the minds of lay Catholics. Perhaps there is a more efficient way, effective way, to help advance the mission of the church. Perhaps if God blessed you with a professional career, with a college education, it's because he meant for that to be your field of mission. Why do I say this? One, I, want, I want to, maybe I, say, I, I, say, I repeat this idea so, so often, sometimes I forget if I have just said them. Many times when a lay Catholic person has an experience of encounter or re-encounter with Christ, I've been there myself. Was like, like this beautiful night that we're spending together. We walk away so fired up that we just want to serve God, give back to the church. We want to find our place in the church. And what do we do? We go back to the parish and we sign up for every ministry that we can. Anything that they tell us, we'll sign up. And we'll show up. And sometimes we set up a tent and camp at the parish. And then we want to become theologians and we want to become apologists. Am I saying that any of those things are bad? All of the apostolates, the movements, the groups, all of these things. We need theologians, we need apologists. But not every lay person is going to be an apologist. 
or a theologian. Who are going to be the doctors, the lawyers, the business people who courageously are going to defend the faith in the world? Not everybody can be up at the altar. Some people have a calling to the diaconate, to be a lector. Nothing, nothing wrong with being involved in your parish. You should be involved in your parish. You should be at the service of your pastor and your bishop. But our true field of mission is the world. That is the lay vocation. The lay vocation, we go to the church, we receive the sacraments, which strengthen us. We're part of a parish community, and then we're sent out into the world to be ambassadors of Christ in the world. And that is your vocation as a lay person. Unless you're going to become a priest, then your vocation is going to be different, <laughs> or a nun. So that's the idea that I want to share with you tonight. I want you to pray about as we as we walk away as 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 we walk away tonight from this beautiful evening. Pray about what God is calling you to do in your life. What exactly is your mission? Perhaps you already know it. Perhaps you have been thinking about it. God's stirring up your heart and He's showing you. One of the things that our program does for the participants is precisely that. We think of it as a long discernment in which we help them understand what their mission is as leaders in the world. That's what we put in the book. We show lay Catholics how, how to become leaders in the world. Two more things, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up the talk. And if we have time, we, I can take questions. But two things. Through the work that we have been doing at TLI for the past six or seven years now, since we started, we have realized there is, that there are two concepts two ideas that there's a lot of confusion about. And most of the people that participate in our program look a lot like you are, are young adults, young professionals. And we have realized that many of them are confused or hungry to define a little bit better their understanding of identity and purpose. Those two, identity and purpose who they are, and what is the purpose of their lives. So if you only remember one thing from tonight's talk, I want you to have a clear understanding of who you are and the purpose of your life. This is church teaching. We all should know it. But it doesn't come to mind as, 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 as easy to, to your average Catholic. And we need to. We need to know why we exist. Right? So who are we? God made us, each one of us is unique. We're individuals. But we do share a common identity. And what is that? All of the baptized are children of God. So what you may think of yourself as a musician, as a producer, as a father, as a friend, as a brother, as a Lakers fan, all of those, all of those are dimensions of who you are. But at the core, who are you? You are a child of God. And we all share that identity. And just like we share that common identity, who we are, we're children of God, we share a common purpose. And then we all have our individual purpose or mission for our lives. God has, has designed different paths for each one of us. But we share a common purpose from an understanding of who we are 
should flow a natural, clear understanding of where we're going, why God made us. He made us for heaven. He made us for holiness. So our purpose is to be a saint. We all share that. How we accomplish, how we fulfill that purpose, how we get there is different, is unique to each one of us. But let me tell you, it doesn't happen living in a Catholic bubble. It happens being part of your parish community and going into the world. And if God bless you as a musician, as a producer, as a student, as a nurse, as a business person, that's your field of mission. That's who, how you sanctify yourself by sanctifying the world. Okay, so that's what I want you to take with you. And, and the last thing I want to, I hope you get excited. We are excited. Our apostolate has, has grown, has flourished. God has blessed it tremendously. And because of that, we have felt encouraged. And in 2023, we're launching our first national conference. So every year we have a program that runs in the spring. And starting in 2023, we're going to have a weekend conference that just like the documentary that we produce, you can find it on YouTube, is called The Hour of the Laity. We are calling our conference The Hour of the Laity, a lay Catholic conference, and it's going to happen in Southern California at Christ Cathedral, the first weekend of November, November 2nd to 5th at Christ Cathedral, The Hour of the Laity, a lay Catholic conference. All of you are invited. I hope that you'll, you'll check out our website and learn a little bit about it. But thank you so much for your attention, and I'll be happy to take any questions that you might have. We have a question? Yeah. I know you mentioned that there's a, a course in spring, right? How do we register to the website? That's a great question. Yes. If you go to tli T, like Tepeyac Leadership Initiative, tliprogram.org. All the information is there. And the, our cycle is that we have an admissions process in the fall. From October 1st to November 10, you can apply for admissions. There is a, a process. You, go through an, you submit your application online. You go through an admissions interview. And then if you're admitted into the program, the program begins the second week of February. We just started last week. This is the sixth cohort that's happening right now. The, the actual program takes, uh, takes place in the spring, from the second week of February all through the third week of June. It's a total of 18 sessions, one night a week. And, and there's a retreat towards the end. It's a beautiful uh, retreat. Um, so you apply in the fall. You participate. So you couldn't participate in 2023. You could apply this fall for 2024, but the conference is this November 2023. So you could check out. And, and what we have thought of doing is that for those who attend the conference, there's going to be a fast track into the program if they want to do the program. So it's all online? Everything is at tliprogram.org. Do you have another copy? Yes. Oh, it's all online, so it's more convenient. So I think that'll help us. I think that'll really help us. Right? Any other questions? Another, another pregunta? What is the age requirement? You have to be out of college. There's no age requirement. Confirm. You have to have what? You have to be out of college. 
I forgot to mention that. For the program, you have to be out of college. Oh, you have to be what? Out of college. Out of college. No. And there is no age restriction. Now, you don't have to go to college to, to, to be in the program. You already are and you whatever career path. So the program, here's, here's what, what uh, the program, the program is for anybody that's interested in leadership, Catholic leadership in civil society. If you're a full-time student at the university, we tell you finish that and then go through the program once you are in the workforce. If you already are in the workforce, you're ready to apply for TLI. So, so if I drop out of college and I'm in the workforce, yes. I, can, <laughs> I, I can get... I can, I can do it. <laughs> what, if, um, what if you're going for your second degree, like a master's? You, yes? Okay. Because God willing, I'll right. be there. <laughs> Any other questions? Any more questions? Another copy. <laughs> no, 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 just curious, curiosity. No, wait, hold up. Okay, here you go, senor. Just curiosity and question. Why the program was designed of uh, the people going to the college? Why not design the program High school? the people after they finish the college or the, during the college, after they go to the the workforce or before workforce? Yes. Why? Just why? Send why them is into the workforce. The, re the reason is that the program is not for people who are in full time school. It's not really. We've made exceptions. I mean, we're a flexible program. We've had a few uh, seniors in college who have applied. People doing their masters, perfectly fine. Uh, but we want people who already are in the workforce, who are ready, able, and willing to be leaders in civil society. So it's not for them when they're not in the workforce, just like it's not really for somebody who's nearing retirement age. It's also not for them because they're leaving the workforce. So while there is no age restriction, we're looking for people who are ready, willing, and able to, to lead in civil society. So the brother, uh, maybe uh, an exception might be if I'm in my senior year in college, in college. Yes. and I'm ready to go into the workforce, I could yes, take the course. Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> right. So I, I really appreciate that you're coming out to talk to us this about about this and because I think this is very needed and uh, I just been in my calling for not too long and I already seen like there's like the extra uh, like the extra push for certain individuals to become leaders and I'm like you have a special talent you just need that push mm -hmm. and I, I feel like this is perfect for them like like they have like they feel like, oh no, wait, uh, no, but this, but this is perfect. Like, so uh, thank is, you for that. You're welcome. This is not a conversation that we have been had that has been going on in the church. This is new language. Need these are new ideas, but like I said, they really are not, because if you go, actually go and read what the Second Vatican Council had to say to us, this is what it was. And so, sister? Yeah. I just have a question. Um, so, uh, in a sense, the purpose of um, creating uh, these leaders that are professing in their professional roles is 
to make a create a better society, right? Making decisions Absolutely. that are that are um, um, aligned with our Catholic faith. Absolutely. And go places where, like you mentioned, our pastors and um, Pope are not able to go because I think even. Um, who was it? St. Teresa de Avila says that we are the body of Christ here on earth. Yes, you're absolutely right. The, second, the hands of Christ. The hands of Christ, yeah. The Second Vatican Council calls it renew the temporal order. That's the, the language used. We need to be renewing the temporal order. This is the temporal order, right? Before we, we go to, hopefully, to heaven with gather through purgatory, perhaps. But before that, we live in this temporal order. It's temporary, right? It's not forever. It's temporal. So we need to renew this temporal order. We need to sanctify this world as whatever professional career path we have. Right there. We don't need to spend all our time in ministry. <laughs> and I, and I want to be clear. I'm not, be involved in your community at the service of your pastor. But our field of mission should be the world. That's where the yeah, challenge, that's challenges. where all of the challenges are, right? Mm -hmm. In education, healthcare, business, government, news media, entertainment. Do we need a holier Hollywood? Oh, man. Check out the, the, the Grammys. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw the Grammy Awards. Brother. We need a real Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Danny, you see the Grammy Awards, man? The demonic? The demonic stuff in there? I hope you guys will check out our website. There's a video that we produce, really powerful, The Hour of the Lady. Check it out and consider joining the conference and, and, and get involved. We're just getting started. Yeah. Our Lady of Guadalupe and San Juan Diego have really interceded for the fruit from our program and, and we just see growth and growth. Yeah, we want to get involved, absolutely. I was telling him, so by the way, I just finished interviewing him for Soul Time next Friday morning. He's going to be on Soul Time talking about the programming, <laughs> his program. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to having that aired next Friday. And I was telling him that the deacon, my, one of my favorite lines that I say during Mass is, after now that we have been nourished by the Word of God, now that we have been strengthened by the sacraments, go forth to glorify the world, glorify the Lord with your life. That's what this is all about, right? That's what this Going is. Going forth. Don't stay up in here and fellowship and go for tacos. Oh, by the way, he wants to join you guys for tacos, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's more than that. Go, go. You know, I want to say one more thing, then we'll have prayer, Sister Diana. We're gonna, I'm going to say one more thing. Is she still here? Yeah, yeah. I want to say one more thing. The other thing we talked about in the soul, in, on soul time was, what is the vision, right? What's the vision for Tepiac Leadership Institute? Just think about it. Just think about all the stuff that's coming up at us, coming toward us as Catholics, right? At school, I'll tell you one quick story. That is not even in public schools. I go to Catholic schools, and I, I, I said, okay, I want the boys in this line and the girls in this line. 
And guess what happened? My boy got in that line. And he insisted on staying in that line. I don't know how that happened in that school, but it's happening. He, he said, I have the right to get in the girls' line. I'm not going to talk about that right now. Identity. That's just, that's just one example, right? And so, so we need, we need not just Ghanas, right? We need the Ghanas. <laughs> I'm learning more words. <laughs> we need the Ghanas, but we also need to learn all of these encyclicals, right? And all the Catholic social teaching that come from Vatican II that tell us who we are. That we have a universal call to holiness, right? And it's not just the deacons and the priests and the nuns who have habits and albs and stoles that, that make us look like we're holy. Right? We all are called to be holy. And then when people start, you know, you were talking about the uh, boardroom, right? It's not just in the boardroom, though. When we are talking about what's in the books, right, and what's, what's, uh, what's acceptable, and nobody says anything? There's a lot of Catholics out here. Nobody's saying anything. And one more thing before we pray. One more thing, Brother Christopher. How would I know if you are Catholic anyway? How would I know if you're a Catholic in, at school or at the dental office or at the doctor's office or um, wherever you are at, this, at your store? How would I, I mean, is it, you got a, you got a rosary around your neck, <laughs> you know? Or you got an Esne hat on, you know? <laughs> How do I know? How do you know? You know, uh, St. Francis, he has this famous saying, right? Be ready to preach at all times. If necessary, use words. But no, we got to use our words too. We got to use our words. We got to speak up. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Right? Be courageous, right? That's what Bishop, I mean, that's what Pope Francis says. Be courageous. And contagious, <laughs> you know. So let's um, thank you. Let's give give our thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Please visit soerlay.com for more information. Don't forget to download the Esne app or go to jesusthesower.com to listen to Esne the Sower, the Sower Ministry, moving with confidence.